Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Back to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. This is podcast triple three, 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 three. As we learn the vital skills, the things you need to take your life and income to the next level, get others to want to do what you want them to do, and like doing it, the power of influence, the power of persuasion, they should have taught us at school. I'm working on it, getting more schools to include the soft skills, especially now where we have our media, we're distancing, we're not leaving our homes. I don't think we're interacting as much as we used to, we need to, but it's still a core human need. It will be interesting how the new normal plays itself out. So I went nowhere because there's nowhere to go. Everything I have has been canceled except for the online trainings, the webinars. Did a webinar to the Middle East in Doha, Qatar, although it included other countries in the Middle East. Did that one today. Was a fun group. We learned a lot. Let's start off with the Persuasion Blunder Ninja Blinja. I'm not sure where this one... Don't, don't, don't! Fits in. Was talking to somebody who had bought some makeup off an online store. And they hadn't tried it yet. But here comes an email from them that, Hey, you want a $20 Amazon gift certificate? Well, hello, who wouldn't want that? And then she's sure. Puts in her information. And then, well, sure. As soon as you give us a five-star review, she's like, wait a minute. I don't even know if I like this stuff yet. But they were requesting a five-star review. And so the C reviewed it. It was kind of vague in her description because she hasn't really tried the product. Then another link, another form, another email. Very complicated. And then in three days, you'll get an email for the next step to get your $20 Amazon gift certificate. So I guess the ninja part here is that, wow, they got the five-star review. They got somebody to put in a quasi-good testimony, I guess we'll call it. But kind of dirty, kind of underhanded. Will they ever do business with this person again, this company, this product? I don't know. There's no one that's foot in the door, sequence the request, they ask you for a little bit at a time with this big reward at the end. And the more they can get you to do a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, you're that much closer to the reward and you just keep going and you keep going. That's still a technique that a lot of car dealerships use where there's more time and they lose your trade on and they got to check with the manager and, oh, wait, we hit a glitch and, ooh, we don't know if we can get that percentage rate. You invest so much time, energy, and resources that they slowly get you closer and closer to buying that car. After a while, like, okay, let's just get it done. I do not want to go through this again. Could be part of that process. But although some, and I do this a lot too, I just walk away. I'm done. I'm not putting any more time. I'm cutting my losses. So you have to gauge human nature when people are just going to walk away and not do it. And are they considering what you're asking too big? And Maybe even on the unethical side, you cross that line. You're going to lose people. So you decide, is that a blunder, ninja, blinja, a little bit of both? Hey, they got what they wanted, so it was influential. But then long term, are people going to fall for that same thing? Is that company going to get repeat business? Time now for the geeky, weekly, geeky, super scholarly article. This one comes from ScienceDaily.com, Brigham Young University, and the Journal of Vocational Behavior. Imposter syndrome. How imposter syndrome is more common than you think. 
how people deal with it at universities and in the workplace. Let's talk about this a little bit. So it's either called imposter syndrome or isn't a word, maybe not for you, imposterism is what they call it. But basically researchers have found that this imposterism, this imposter syndrome happens in the workplace and in the classroom. So the imposter syndrome is a phenomenon that manifests when people feel like frauds, even if they are actually capable and well-qualified. I think in the past, there was a book called The Peter Principle, where it was, was sort of close to this, to where you were promoted one time too many in the workplace, so you were promoted to your incompetence, so you felt like an imposter, and you were incompetent because you were good at what you did before, but now, hey, since you're good at that, let's move you up. Doesn't mean you're a good manager, you're a good leader. We see this with sales professionals all the time. We're like, hey, you're good at sales, we'll make you the sales manager. And those are two very, very different worlds, and not all good sales professionals can become good sales managers promoted to incompetence. Now they're calling it the imposter syndrome. So the professors involved in the study were Jeff Bednar, Brian Stewart, and James Oldroyd. And they found that 20% of the college students in their sample suffered strong feelings of imposterism. They conducted these interviews with students that were in elite academic programs to figure out what were the coping mechanisms when they had this imposter syndrome. How would they escape the feelings? What's the best way to cope? What's the worst way to cope with this imposter syndrome. And they didn't give me the number for the workplace. They said the workplace was just as bad. I would say it's probably even higher, especially now where people have the fear of getting fired, the fear of not having a job, the fear of companies collapsing, the fear of being found out that maybe they're not as good as they think they are. We see this a lot of times when companies downsize or they fire people, people hold on to projects. They don't want to reveal the information. They're always trying to improve their worth and how busy they are, which May or may not be true, but that could be signs of imposterism. Or I saw this consultant once come in. The company had gone through downsizing, and they had people write down every 10 minutes what they did. You talk about freaking people out and destroying people's morale, self-esteem. That is a good way to do that, because at the end of the day, we all realize, oh, man, we don't do that much. A monkey could do what I do. Well, maybe not to that extreme, but I think you get what I am talking about. So here's a key finding that you can use in a academic or a workplace situation, they found when the students reached in, so in the same department, same area, so they reached in to other students with the same major, when they talked to them, they usually felt worse about themselves and their situation. But then they found if the student reached out, so outside of their area, their department, to family, friends, and others outside the majors, even other professors, perceptions of imposterism were reduced. They found that these outside social groups seem to be able to help the students see the big picture and recalibrate their reference group. So after reaching outside their social group for support, students were able to understand themselves more holistically rather than being so focused on what they felt lacked in just one area. Now, let me add something to this. I also think that probably when you reached in, uh, people lie. <laughs> There's so much competition in uh, academia in the workplace, in your department, that everyone's going to, oh, everything's great. I can handle it. You can't handle it. They paint this picture on how busy they are and how good they are and that you should do better. Uh, there's ego. There's esteem. There's pride issues. So some things going on there. So that, I am predicting an issue here also, although they didn't talk about this in this specific research study. So then there are negative ways that people cope with imposterism, the imposter syndrome. There's the standard escapes, social media, video games. But when they did that, of course, they spent more time doing that than studying. Other students try to hide how they really felt around their classmates. 
They pretend they were confident, excited about their performance. Even though deep down they had the imposter syndrome, they questioned if they actually belonged. So reaching out to individuals outside the major proved to be more effective than reaching to individuals within the major. Again, I'm doing the same thing with the workplace. Outside your department, your area, maybe even your company, get a realistic perception about what's going on, what's happening. They go on to say that individuals who suffer with the imposter syndrome are still capable of doing their jobs well, they just don't believe in themselves. The researchers also explain that social-related factors impact imposterism more than an individual's actual ability or competence. So the issue here is not competence. Well, I'm sure you've worked with some people that that was an issue. We'll, we'll throw that in every once in a while. But it's usually more of the social-related factors. I'm going to throw in ego, the esteem, the woebegone effect. If you don't know that one, go back to the archives at InfluenceUniversity.com. The woebegone effect could be an issue, too, to where you're judging yourself a lot harsher than you should. It's an issue, bigger than you'll ever realize. But then outside the classroom, they talk about it's important to create cultures where people talk about failure and mistakes. So it's real. It's out there. You might be in denial. You might have it. But I guarantee you with people that you work with that have it, and then people that you work with or people that you try to influence, it's going to be difficult if they don't have the confidence in you or themselves for them to make a decision. So what are the solutions? Well, I went to impostorsyndrome.com. Talks about Valerie Young. We'll try to get her on the show. And of course, all these links, everything I'm talking about is going to be at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You can also access Influence University. That's the advanced tool training. And of course, same place to contact me if you have any questions, comments, or rude remarks. Take your free Persuasion IQ assessment, see where you rank, and I've got a gift in that for you. Or pick up the new edition of Maximum Influence, all at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So imposter syndrome. It's important for you, the people that you work with, the people that you manage, the people you lead and the people that you try to influence. So a few pointers. She talks about break the silence, that shame keeps a lot of people from fessing up about these fraudulent feelings, and it's real. In fact, I was talking to a programmer, and he admitted he's got imposter syndrome, and he knows he's one of the best programmers, and he knows he's capable of doing what people are asking, but after a while, fear kicks in, especially when it's not a, a safe environment. There's a lot of competition or downsizing or right-sizing, or now it's happening with Social distancing. Then it talks about separate feelings from the fact. Yeah, sometimes you're going to feel stupid. It happens from everyone time to time. You say something stupid. You do something stupid. You are something stupid. I don't know if that last part made sense, but I think you know what I'm talking about. As a presenter, a public speaker, I make mistakes from tripping on the stage to falling off the stage to going to the wrong stage, the wrong room, to saying dumb things. When I say, oh, hold on, let me dumb it down for you, in hindsight, that's probably not a very good thing to say. So separate the feelings from the fact we all do stupid things and just own up to it. Just say, all right, that was dumb. I'm not doing it again. Or at least hopefully I'm not doing it again. She also talks about, too, it's important to recognize when you should feel fraudulent. Maybe it's your first day at work. Maybe it's a new project you don't know what to do if you've never done it before. There are times you need to ask for help. Get some different tools and understand what's going on. But it's something you've been doing for a long time and you're accepted as the expert. That's probably not a time to feel fraudulent. Or when you're trying to influence. If you're feeling fraudulent, you're feeling fearful, you're full of worry. When you're trying to influence, just like we talked about last week, that is contagious. They're going to sense that it's a subconscious trigger. Then eventually all this self-fulfilling prophecy could come true. And she goes on to talk about to accentuate the positive. Perfectionism can be a healthy drive to excel, but you know where to draw the line not to overdo it. Forgive yourselves of those inevitable mistakes. 
One that was interesting is he talked about write the rules. What is your rule book? If you say anything to yourself like, well, I should always know the rules. I should never make a mistake. I should be perfect. I should have to ask for help. I'm the expert here. I've been here the longest. Those might not be the best rules for you, and they can be triggering that imposterism or that imposter syndrome. And one that I touched on last week when we addressed fear is to visualize your success. Remember when you're stuck on worry, it's because your vision's not strong enough. What's going through your brain is sucking the life out of you. Remember, your thoughts control emotions, emotions control actions. So if your thoughts are very negative, you're stuck on worry. What if everything goes wrong? That's your reality. That starts to happen. As I train, I hate to say it, politicians and CEOs, not so much the CEOs, but politicians, I become better presenters, persuasive, doing those persuasive presentations. And in any course on public speaking, because it is one of those major fears. Oh, what if I blow it? What if they don't like me? What if they don't know the answer to the question? What if they all walk out? What if they throw rocks at me? Yeah, I mean, most of those aren't even realistic. If that's where your thoughts are negative, that triggers negative emotions. And ding, 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 that triggers negative actions. It comes across. You have to visualize them laughing, of them being interested, of them being influenced. You have to visualize that. Being successful in public speaking and business and anything is the same as sports. You take the world's best golfer. We'll just use that sport today. I'll let you fill in the blank who that is because we won't all agree there. But this is true in any sports. You take the best at, at a professional level. When they get on that golf course, they're not, oh, whew, what if I miss the ball? What if the fans boo? What if I don't win? What if I make a fool of myself? What if the ball goes in the rough? What if the ball gets lost in the water? Hello, no. At that level, they're visualizing the birdie. They're visualizing the victory. They're visualizing the perfect shot. Remember, that visualization becomes reality. Just like an Olympic athlete has visualized that gold medal so many times it's become a reality. The same thing's true here, is to visualize the success. And finally, once she talks about, and we've talked about this one before, fake it till you make it. Sometimes we're going to wing it. Sometimes we're going to have fear. Sometimes we're going to have a lack of confidence. Sometimes we're going to have a little worry. Sometimes we're going to make a fool of ourselves. Sometimes we're going to ask for help. That's reality. That's how it is. But understand too, when I do research on leaders, charismatic leaders, for example, they have the ability to take the blame, to take ownership, to ask for help, to admit when they're wrong. People want that. One of the biggest complaints is that managers steal ideas. They push people down. They can't admit they're wrong. They're always blaming other people. That's when you're not a leader at all. You might be a manager and people do things because they have to, but you're not truly a leader and you're definitely not charismatic because nobody wants to be around you. They're only there because they have to be. They're there for the income. They don't like you because you're sucking the life out of them because that type of person, that type of leader is probably suffering from the imposter syndrome. In fact, when I was researching laws of charisma, found there's direct correlation between your self-image, your self-esteem, and your ability to influence yourself and influence others. See, self-image encompasses how a leader describes themselves in terms of needs, beliefs, values, and personal meaning. Or self-esteem, how much you like yourself. Not in an arrogant, prideful way, but that's what self-esteem is. In fact, one study I saw that was crazy, it said in the first 18 years of our life, in an average home, you were told no, which you could not do more than 148,000 times. Now, I don't know who's counting, who's got a little clicker there, but even if it's half that, that's an astounding number. Also found that income is the primary reason we work, but most people want a job satisfaction they get from accomplishment being part of a team. So if you suffer from this or other people do, let's take a deeper dive and understand this self-esteem, this self-worth, 
It's a huge issue. It's an all-time low around the world. A lot of issues, a function of what's happening in the world right now, sure. Function of marketing, where you're told how to look, how to weigh, how to dress, how to smell, and that's not always correct. You've got the school system saying there's only one right way to do everything. And the other challenge of the school system is that there's seven different types of intelligences and it only caters to two. So if you don't fit in those two, it's going to destroy you. Being slouched over on our phones, some studies are pointing to that, that slouching, that hunching over can be an issue. Or just social media. We know time on social media, time on your phone will destroy you, increases depression, and destroys your self-esteem. Part of it might be the posture, but the big part too is social media is that you just can't win. It's human nature to always compare your dreadful day at work to someone's vacation to their trip to Paris. You're comparing that your kid got in trouble at school to someone's child that's on the honor roll. We're always comparing our weaknesses to other people's strengths, and that destroys us. Let me tell you about the world of influence. When you hurt someone's esteem, it slams the doors to influence. But when you enhance it, it opens the doors. That's why when people come in with a bigger fishing story or a better joke or better idea, that does not help the relationship. It actually hurts it. Or the first President Bush in the United States said something interesting. He was no longer president, but he says, you know, when I was president, I didn't lose at golf. Ha <laughs> ha. Think about it. Sounds silly. Yes, it's silly. Yes, it should be an issue, but it is a huge issue every day. Self-esteem is one of the major factors, the major issues, a major complaint against managers. And we don't even think about sometimes. We just say, well, it shouldn't be an issue. Well, I agree, but it is bigger than you ever realize. That's why the law of esteem is one of the 12 laws of persuasion of maximum influence. Because the impact is huge. The impact of praise, the impact of a compliment, of being part of a team, to being part of a cause makes the huge difference. Versus criticism, using fear to motivate, criticizing, practicing favoritism, are all things that would have the opposite effect. So these are things you can work on yourself and the people around you. It's pretty simple when you think about it. We like people that like us and we don't like people that don't like us. We also like people we perceive to care about us. And it's interesting. Most people have challenges giving praise, boosting self-esteem, pointing out the positive. So the key here is for you to have a higher, healthier self-esteem and have the ability to raise somebody else's self-esteem. And just be aware, just to make a mental note, we all suffer from different aspects of low self-esteem. You might have a low self-esteem in public speaking, in a swimsuit, and in whatever situation, there are different areas where we suffer low self-esteem. It is a basic human need. And very important for you to understand, people want to feel important. And when they feel important, the imposter syndrome will start to erode away and they're easier to influence. You would never think about physically harming somebody or depriving them of food and water. Well, maybe not. But all the times when we hurt someone's feelings or we hurt them emotionally or we deprive them of praise or gratitude, we all want to feel accepted to be part of the group. We all want to be noticed, appreciated, and feel like we're contributing to the team. Now, I know not everyone wants to be recognized in the same way, but we all need that recognition, that acceptance, that praise. Because there's a direct link between boosting someone's self-esteem and their performance. And that boosting of their esteem increases their confidence. They have better attitudes and they perform better. I'm not saying you can never say anything negative or critical, but I do want you to be aware that one negative comment has more emotional impact than 10 positive comments. So think about it. Imposter syndrome, woebegone effect, Peter Principle, 
self-esteem, all things that can help or hurt your ability to persuade or influence. So thanks for being here. Hit like, subscribe, go to YouTube. I'll post a video, supersize something I talked about today. It's under Maximize Your Influence. Also on Spotify, iHeart, and iTunes. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. Thank you for your kind words and feedback. Do appreciate that. But I'm telling you, everything you want in life is on the other side of influence. So master these skills, learn this tool, and you know the drill. Go out and persuade with power.